0: Good morning. My name is Roland Martin. I am a drug and alcohol counselor with Luto Lutotipi. My job title here is Residential Treatment Coordinator. But for the most part, I spend my time working directly with clients in a one-on-one setting or in a group setting. Since I got in the field of addiction many years ago, I've been trying to figure out the nature of addiction and healing. And my understanding of it is always growing. I rely on evidence-based research to inform my decision-making with respect to how I provide addiction treatment. I utilize evidence-based practice curriculum, and I adhere to my policies and procedures. Within Mpete Lutotipi's program, Philosophy, it states that we are anchored in traditional culture, philosophy, and worldview. We accomplish this in many ways. The intersection or weaving of traditional culture, philosophy, and worldviews with evidence-based practice is not hard to do. When it comes to behavioral health and wellness, science is making discoveries that Native people around the world have already known and live in a natural world. There are many examples of this. One of the latest evidence-based practice therapeutic treatment modality used today is mindfulness. A definition of mindfulness is the quality or state of being Conscious or aware of something. Next, a mental state achieved by focusing one's awareness on the present moment while calmly acknowledging and accepting one's feelings, thoughts, and bodily sensations. Used as a therapeutic technique. According to this definition, it is something achieved. Next, it is a therapeutic technique. Historically, with native people, it was not something to be achieved it was a way of being it was a natural state in a natural world next it was not a technique for therapy again it was a natural state of being in a natural world through the efforts of a colonization and assimilation a level of cultural genocide occurred which removed us in various levels from this natural state of being coping skills and healing practices were outlawed the lived experience of how to be grounded within oneself, connected with one's own natural instinct and oriented from a spiritual point of view, were not transmitted for the most part from one generation to the next over multiple generations as a result of the boarding school experience and making spiritual ceremonial practices illegal along with other forms of institutionalized forms of oppression. A result of a mass group trauma which is a wounding over generations, and the removal of healthy coping skills to heal, will leave people with internalized pain carried within. Eduardo Duran refers to this as a soul wounding. It is well understood. Wounding seeks to wound. Those who hurt will hurt others. This is generational trauma, where trauma is passed from one generation to the next. It becomes a oppressive environment where community members oppress each other. The transmission of wounding from one generation to the next typically occurs within the family. The transmission of wounding from one generation to the next typically occurs within the family. When somebody looks at their own life experiences and the behaviors within their own family, and they are able to understand this is a pattern that is being repeated in other cultures, in other races, as a result of a a mass group trauma, this is the beginning of a healing process. The unwanted behaviors someone can see within themselves and within their family begins to be understood as a natural result from historical trauma. The emotional pain, grief, guilt, shame, and numbness also begins to be understood as a natural effect from historical trauma. I'm not giving excuse for bad behavior. What I am doing is normalizing the effects we see within families and within ourselves as a result of a traumatic, oppressive history. Viktor Frankl, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning, stated, to understand is to forgive. When we better understand circumstances that contributed to bad behaviors from people within our family and from people within positions of power that resulted in so much pain, a person is in better position to move towards letting go and possibly forgiving. Forgiving of another or self is one of the most powerful forms of healing somebody can give themselves. The benefits of forgiveness isn't for the one who's being forgiven. The benefits are for the ones doing the forgiving. The decision to forgive and the ability to do so typically comes when somebody is tired of carrying around resentments and anger or hatred. To carry these emotions around is to only hurt one's self and their loved ones. To forgive somebody is not easy. Somebody may consciously attempt to forgive and still have anger and resentment carried within, even though they tried to forgive. They may have verbalized their forgiveness. They may have written a paper a letter of forgiveness, and read it out loud, and yet still carry within them some resentment, some irritability, some anger. Or they may carry a sense of abandonment, rejection, unimportant, unloved, and a lost sense of self-worth. Either way, the pain is felt within. I've seen this before, where people truly make an attempt to forgive, but it's not gone. They still feel it within. The resentment, hurt, and pain stays within this leaves us with the question, how do we go through forgiveness at a deeper level where it's more complete? This is where forgiveness takes on a whole new understanding. It brings us back to the concept of mindfulness. It is not something we do intellectually. It is something we experience. It is an experiential event where there are no words to accurately describe what happened, but it, it is felt within It occurs within the stillness of the mind. In this process, for somebody to even say, I forgive you, is counterproductive. To speak these words is to engage, to utilize the intellect, the speaking part of ourselves. This is the part of us where reasoning exists, logic exists. And this part is the self, the I, the me, the ego. And when I say ego, I'm not talking about a bird flying in the sky. I'm talking about the ego. It's spelled E-G-O. This is the concept of the individual. This is the voice we have in our mind, in our head. We hear it talking all the time. It is self-talk within our head. It's the talk we have when we talk with other people. It just keeps talking. In fact, you can hear it right now in your own head. It is from this voice, the voice of the ego, that our hurt and pain will continue. Because it will produce perfectly fine rationale for why we are wounded, hurt, abused, neglected, done wrong, assaulted, oppressed. And it will be very factual in its reasoning. It will make good sense. All of society, family, friends, the legal system will agree with that voice, that self-talk from the ego. Giving validation to our wounded self. How do we experience The deep sense of peace and forgiveness when we have a constant, unified message from friends, relatives, family, and society that we are assaulted, abused, neglected, abandoned, rejected. That statement of forgiveness that we may speak or the letter we write often has little effect when the rest of the world is saying you are victimized. At the same time, our ego... Relishes in pointing at somebody else or a group, saying, Look at over there. There's the victimizers, which places us or self on a higher moral ground, basically saying, Look at my wounds. I'm innocent and you're guilty. This all occurs within the mind of the ego, as it values victimization. And again, the ego is that part of our self that says, I am individual, I am me. The ego is opposite of the concept of oneness. The concept of oneness, which is found in native people around the world, is found within the natural world view. The natural worldview has a heavy emphasis on the spiritual realm, based in the oneness of everything. Oneness is a complete presence of peace and love, non-specific love. In other words, love is not coming from something and going to something, How is that possible when there is just one? It's an all-encompassing presence of love, which is the presence of peace. Mindfulness, or yet a better term is the stillness of the mind, provides for this experience of healing, and this healing potential is within everybody equally. Within the stillness of the mind is the wisdom that goes beyond words. It is not to be achieved, but to be realized. To realize something is to be aware of something that's always been there. It's the nature of spirit. It is the truth within all of us that corrects our vision until we experience what is true. We are running on the programming of our mind that we received from family and society, which is very vulnerable to misinterpretation, misunderstanding based upon the ego's belief system and rationale. The ego by definition, which is based on duality, has no choice but to perceive incorrectly just about all the time. With this in mind, it's not hard to understand why it's important in the stillness of the mind to have no concepts, no reasoning, no judgment, no thought, no action. We just watch whatever it is that we bring to the stillness of the mind. It's like we bring a shadow to light. Darkness and light cannot coexist within the same space. So within the space of our mind, we cannot have illusion and truth coexist together. Illusion has no effect on truth. To perceive something wrongly is to create a state of illusion. The facts are real, but how we interpret it will provide the meaning it has for us, which in turn will result in a happy, neutral, or very painful experience. We hold concepts in our mind that are derived primarily from the ego. Belief system that is predominant within families and society. In other words, society will, just about all the time, reflect the ego's belief system, which is based in duality, not oneness. Stillness of the mind is quieting of the mind. What are we quieting? We're quieting that nonstop chatter, that nonstop voice of the ego. Pushing upon us a belief system based in separation, fear, and guilt. And for the most part, we have been conditioned to accept it. How is it possible for us to accept another belief system? To consider another belief system? When the ego's belief system is pretty much all we have ever known. And to walk within the ego's belief system is to typically walk with a certain level of pain. Some with less pain and some with a lot of pain. There are those who are able to make it work and have a a good experience here and still be within the ego's belief system. But even those who manage to make the ego's belief system work still carry a high price. It takes a lot of work to sustain what they consider happiness. And there is always that sense of dread that it's all going to end in death anyway. Because within the ego's belief system, death and decay is the rule. Okay, so I did some speaking here, trying to draw differences between the ego belief system, trying to define it, and, and the truth of oneness that is experienced within the stillness of the mind. Experiencing the truth of the mind is not something we're used to, because we have a whole lifetime of chatter, of that nonstop voice in our head, of being very busy, engaged with life itself, life as in family, jobs. Paying the bills, fixing the car, getting insurance. All these things that we think are so important, that will keep us going. It's, to me, it's, uh, it's like static of the mind. In the big picture, it doesn't really mean anything. Because all of this movement is occurring on the outside of oneness. We are choosing for individuality. Many individuals. Duality. Duality is more than one. More than one is not. Oneness. But this choice is not hard to understand, because we like our individual self. Choosing stillness of the mind is difficult, because it's viewed as a loss of everything we know to be life. The ego belief system, the self, the individual, fears stillness, because within the stillness of the mind, misperceptions, illusions, cannot coexist with the truth. Within the stillness of the mind, is the truth of oneness experienced in total love, complete peace. And when we bring our wounding, our pain, that is based in a faulty belief system that says we are unloved, unimportant, don't count, not enough, guilty, shameful, when we bring this to the stillness of the mind, it dissolves because illusions have no effect on truth. In this moment of healing, it is basically a reference point where we bring what is false on one side and on the other side is truth. When we bring what is false to the truth, it's like bringing a shadow to the light. They cannot coexist in the same place. To do this takes a willingness on our part. We make a decision to do so for the purpose of healing. We should understand stillness of the mind is a place where there's no chatter, no inner dialogue. No concepts, no thinking, no rationale, no reasoning, no judgment. In bringing our hurt, our pain to the stillness, we are only looking at our hurt, our pain within the stillness. By looking at our hurt, our wounds, our pain, we're basically watching like a movie reel of our life event when something occurred to us that brought us so much hurt or pain. So it's like a movie reel, we just watch it. We don't get engaged. We're not in the movie reel itself. We're not in it. We're watching it. In the stillness, while we're watching this, we may be aware we feel abandonment. We may be aware we feel hurt, attacked, abused, neglected, guilty, shameful, unimportant, unloved. We are aware that we feel it. We are aware we are not it. We are not the hurt, the pain, the grief. The guilt, the shame. We are not it. We are aware. We only feel it. So we are removed from it because we are aware. It's like we're watching a movie clip, a memory. To do this, often it takes practice because it's something we're not used to doing. It's often better to do this with something less intense, less difficult. Learning how to still the mind is something that is done through practice. This is because most of us have mind-wandering. We're very tolerant of mind wandering. In other words, we don't consider disciplining our mind to be aware of what's in it. And as a result, emotional regulation is not very good. And the mind is far from being disciplined of being still. So it does take daily practice. Just consider everything in the now, right now. Everything is now all the time. Every moment of your day is right now. In other words, we don't consider the past. We don't replay anything of the past. We don't reminence on who did what, what happened next, who said this or that. Nothing from the past is in our mind. It's focused on what we're doing at that very moment. For example, if you're making dinner or cleaning the house, or if you're outside cleaning the yard, whatever you're doing at that moment, you are into the very moment all the time. You're not worried about the future about what things are to come, or what you have to do next. All of that is not there. How can it be when you're always in the very moment of right now? Practice that, because it's often the the pain of the past or the worry of the future that gets us into a place of discomfort. It is said, and I believe it, there is no past, there is no future. There is only now. The past and the future are man-made. It's not real. It's illusionary. So why would we spend our time in an illusionary state? that brings us so much pain. Earlier, I was talking about forgiveness. So when we bring our pain to the stillness of the mind, this is forgiveness, because we are totally releasing what's inside. In this broadcast, I talked about two levels of healing. One level in our conscious mind, our reasoning mind, when we attempt to forgive. And we get some results because through understanding, we're in a better place to forgive. But even then, our attempts to forgive may have limitations. We may still feel something within, even though we have a genuine desire and attempt to forgive. We may say we forgive over and over, but still carry something within. Another level of healing is within the stillness of the mind, where there is no reasoning, no concepts, no judgment, nothing except the stillness and viewing that which we bring to the stillness. We just look at it. Sometimes we may watch it like a movie reel. Being aware, we feel a certain emotion. At the same time, being aware we are not that emotion. For some, doing this might be natural. But for most of us, it's difficult because we have not yet learned to discipline our mind. We need practice at stilling our mind. This is the daily practice of being in the now. It is well understood that being in nature is very good for this, because when we're in nature, we don't, we're don't—we alone. We're not talking to somebody. We're paying attention to the nature in front of us. What's, what's the grass doing? What do we feel on our skin with the sun, the air? What do we hear in the air? It's all very much in the moment of right now. Again, this is basically a return to our cultural past. It is often said, within our culture is our strength. For example, in the book Black Elk Speaks, it is written that Crazy Horse spent a lot of time alone in nature. To do this is to foster a mindfulness state of being, a stillness within the mind. Within the stillness, we are on our path to the realization of oneness. This is a inner experience of understanding. It's a path to inner wisdom that is not easily put to words. Everything that I spoke about on this broadcast has everything to do with addiction healing, because in addiction work, a path into healing is needed. This is all I have for today's broadcast. If you want to hear this broadcast again, I will tell you shortly here where you can find it on podcast. Again, my name is Roland Martin. I am a drug and alcohol counselor with Epictive OTP. My job title is Residential Treatment Coordinator. I work out at the sweat location. This is a residential facility, but currently we are not residential due to a severe lack of staffing. So at this time, leadership has decided to bring our residential treatment services back to Kyle, where we have people there, a population center at least, where we can possibly find employees to help staff, to man our residential facility. Ampetit OTP is the OST substance abuse treatment services. Services provided are alcohol and drug assessments, DUI-DWI education classes, outpatient groups, aftercare recovery support groups, medication-assisted treatment, and parenting classes. If you have any questions concerning these services, contact an Ampetit OTP office near you. We have offices in Martin. Phone number is 605-685-6400. Pine Ridge, 605-867-5595. Kyle, 605-455-2331. Wombly, 605-462-6480. And in Sweat, where I'm at, 605-685-1582. My email address is rmartin. R is for Rollin, and Martin's my last name. So it's one word, martin at org. And if you would like to hear this broadcast again, you can find it on Spotify. Look on Spotify under Native Addiction Healing. And this episode will be called Beyond Forgiveness. I am behind on uploading these episodes. I got about three more episodes that I've already broadcasted on KILI. I have yet to upload them to Spotify, so I'll be getting them on there very soon. Thanks for listening. Have a good day.